Beautiful goth with a gargoyle stare And eyes, eyes like the crows Not knowing your name or the blood in your veins Just pierce me, oh beautiful goth Hell's angels weep It's clear that you love me too So darling, beautiful So sincerely so I'm yours. Bum 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 Beautiful goth with a gargoyle stare And eyes, eyes like the crows Not knowing your name or the blood in your veins Just pierce me, oh beautiful goth Hell's angels weep, it's clear that you love me too, so darling, beautiful, so sincerely, so I'm yours. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene here in Toronto. And Candy here in Nashville. In Nashville? <laughs> Do you know how hard it was to not tell you? When we... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that we got a, um, a small grant to, um, f- to do a couple of interviews to work on my film. And I also thought about going to Ontario and doing some things there, which I am going to do, but Ontario is closed right now. Is that true? That's We're pretty much locked down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, United States is as insane as ever. No, it's not actually, <laughs> it's not at all. So we are going to Miami to do a um, interview with someone I've known for about 25 years online. And, um, and he's such a great guy. He's even putting us up. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> Isn't it? And we've got a drone and we've got a camera got a operator. Drone. We've got a drone for a drone shot and we have a camera operator and his assistant. Because and really we- without a drone shot, what's a documentary? That's what I'm saying. Uh, exactly. At one point, one of the, you know, I put it an ad on Craigslist looking for um, some camera people. And this is very skeleton crew, low budget, as you know. I mean, pretty much negative bank account budget. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> I'm sure you had fun selling that to your crew. No, I think they understand. Yeah, they don't love that, but, um, you know, they understand. <laughs> and also, okay, listen, they're young filmmakers. Uh, the people who responded are, um, they've been in the in the biz for about, out of school for about five years. It seemed both of the people were very similar. And um, once I saw someone with a drone, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, we have to have a drone now because, you know, every <laughs> I think documentary. I do they too. always I, have the drone shot. And it's totally unnecessary for the content of this film. <laughs> it's not, a, it doesn't matter. I mean, location is very important. 
true because this is taking place across um, thousands of miles. So anyway, the drone shot is is ludicrous, but I'm really excited. <laughs> so can you just tell our, our listeners a little bit more about the film? Yeah, basically, um, it used to be very top secret. Now I'm like, it's, I've been making it so long, I don't think it matters if it's top secret. I began in uh, many years ago through blogging and book clubs to meet the people I met blogging and to meet the people I had met on online book clubs in real life. And I interviewed them and asked them, how has being on the internet changed your life? Now, since the time I started, Facebook hadn't been invented. And so during the pandemic, I kind of had this thing of like, you've got to finish this thing. You've got to find a way to put it together, either finish it, edit, put it together. And I realized, oh, there's a few more interviews I really, really want to do. I do want to go to England. There's two people that are in England that I'd like to meet. I have not figured out how I'm going to do that yet, but I'm not going to let that stop my dreams. Okay. okay. And um, then, you know, maybe I have to take a sailboat. I don't know. Um, I would never do that. <laughs> Kayak across the ocean. That's it. But I would be too afraid of pirates to do that. So, so, so Nashville is a stop on the way to Miami. Yes, it is merely a stop and we're trying to keep it low key. Right. And um, this um, so we're, we drove down yesterday morning and I was very tired. It took a long time because I actually had to stop and have a little nap. We've been pretty busy the last couple of weeks trying to get, you know, things together and organized and, and working and Stag worked. He's pretty tired too. But I, of course, the other thing is when I travel now, I have this thing where I can't sleep the night before. Like I cannot book a flight in the morning. If I do that, I'm so fucked up on my trip. I'm just, because I won't sleep. Anyway, I didn't sleep very well the night before, so I had to stop in the car and sleep <laughs> yesterday. Well, and you know, if you I have to do it, you have to do it. You have to do it. When I woke up, I felt like a million bucks. It was great. Yeah, sometimes you only need an hour. Yeah, that's true. Now, how's your day? I'll tell you more about um, the trip in Nashville in a few minutes, but how's your, um, how's your day? Well, you know, there's going to be a snowstorm tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. You, it's not funny. It's not it's even funny a little when I'm wearing my flip flops right now in Nashville. <laughs> See, here's the thing: we, by all accounts, we've been having an, an early spring here right. in uh, in Toronto. Yes, uh, the plants are coming out a little bit early. The bird migrations a little bit early, right. and I've been out um, doing some nature walks and um, watching the birds as they migrate in. Yeah. So, um, you know, we got first the um, the red-winged blackbird males come in, mm, and that was probably cute. two or three weeks ago, and now the females are, are coming in. Uh, I guess the males do the real estate shopping first, and then the females come in and, um, and, and join um, Buddy. Yeah. Uh, and I was out in, in, in Sam Smith Park, which is... Uh, for our listeners, I live in the extreme southwest corner of Toronto, and we have a huge park out here. Uh, it's really in what would be called New Toronto in the old parlance, okay. um, called Sam Smith Park. And it's it used to be the grounds of uh, a mental hospital, mm -hmm. uh, and now it's the grounds of Humber College, but it's also an enormous park, and it's... Um, it's a place where a lot of migrating birds stop on their on their way north and on their way south. Yeah. Um, so it's a great place for bird watching, and it attracts bird watchers from all over the place. So mm -hmm. I was there yesterday. I went for a, a nice long walk, and the first thing I saw was a cat was hunting for something. 
And so I stopped to watch and this cat caught a snake. Hmm. I'd never seen anything like it before and hmm. came proudly out of the bushes with the snake dangling from its mouth. Oh God, that's so awesome. <laughs> it's very, it was very strange, but it's here is nature in action. And I, I've seen this cat in the park before. He's got the best playground. He's got this huge park. Um, the last time I had seen him, uh, it was right near the pond and there was a tree and he was climbing up the tree and jumping around between branches to show off for the passersby. Right. Um, cool. So, I was walking through the uh, the park yesterday and there's a pond there with a blue a viewing platform and as I approached the viewing platform I I saw um, a couple people with cameras with long lenses pointing <laughs> yeah. across the pond and then I looked across the pond and I saw a couple more people with long lenses pointing up and I looked up in the tree and there were I think there were eight black crowned night herons up in the tree nice which was, was really remarkable to see that many of them together. Beautiful. Um, it was quite a sight. They're big, awkward, weird-looking birds. They kind of look like penguins to me. <laughs> um, so in any case, we're, we're really early in terms yeah. of spring. Uh, yeah. I was even thinking that the morels, which typically the yellow morels start in my area around the third week of May. And I was starting to think that it's going to be second week of May this year. Um, and now yes. we have a snowstorm coming tonight. Oh, it may snow all night. There could be like two, three, four inches of snow. There were rumors of that in Chicago too, they were saying as well. So it's very similar um, weather weather front. Is that what it would be called? I, I reject <laughs> that situation. snowstorm. I reject I know. it. I know. I just am I not going to accept too. it. Well, I was, I was like, whatevs. Whatevs, dude, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Heading south. <laughs> Okay, bra bra. Well, I'm out good of here. for you to also to have a chance to travel a little bit after really we haven't been able to go anywhere in a long time. No, I do have a level of I'm kind of coping with guilt and shame because of it. Because I, you're traveling? <laughs> yes, it's a good thing. I'm I'm doing a little workshop about about guilt and shame and love and peace. So it's a good thing I'm doing this workshop because I really need to um, process this. You know, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, we're being very careful. I will tell you more about it um, in a little bit uh, over the next a couple of podcasts, I guess, and today. But we are being, this is not a super fancy trip. We're really, you know, trying to keep it bare bones as much as possible. Um, and, I'm sure and you both have had your both your vaccinations. We've right? had we are fully vaccinated for those who care. And it's funny because our host and our my interview, my interviewee, they called last night. We were having trouble getting into the Airbnb. And I don't know, I was I couldn't my phone wouldn't work for anything. Of course, I got my phone replaced. As you know, I needed to replace it. And I yes, procrastinated. I were procrastinated as long as I possibly could because I am the queen of procrastination. And um, so I get this phone the day before, and I knew this was a bad idea. I even thought, just use your bad phone for this trip. So my phone is not finished uploading its apps or whatever. Oh, wow. So I could not get into my email. I could not get into Airbnb. I mean, this is definitely a, a bougie problem. I realize that in the, the big scope of things, it's, a, it's not a problem. But anyway, I had to call Airbnb and try to break into the building and, you know, all of that stuff. It was very stressful. And, um, but also now that we had a good sleep, it was great. Um, so yes, it does feel good. It looks so pretty driving from Chicago to uh, Nashville. It's not the most pretty until you get to Kentucky. Then it's just all the delicate spring trees are out. 
There was every nice. color of tree, purple, white, yellow, green, the bluegrass. I mean, it was gorgeous. Just a, and a stunning day with the Simpsons clouds. You know, they just were beautiful, perfect clouds nice. floating in the sky. That's gorgeous. Get some coffee going and everything. Now, listen, I think we're pretty spent. Um, I keep saying now, listen, and I picked up this habit from somebody I know, and I know now who, but they always go, listen, there's a little kid, a video called Listen, Linda. Have you ever seen that? No. It's from about five years ago. I'll, I'll send it to you. So anyway, a friend of mine is always like, listen, Linda. And so now I'm going, you got to listen. I say, I've picked it up from her and it's so um, bastardized from the original source <laughs> that I'm, I can't stop the habit now. It's like saying, hey, um, anyway, we have a, I understand we have a guest this week, David Sawyer from uh, North Carolina. Yes, yes, we do. I had a chance to, uh, uh, to chat with David the other day. Uh, David's a YouTuber. Mm. Um, he's a songwriter, a singer. He plays um, mandolin, banjo, ukulele, fiddle. Um, and I think he plays the piano as well. So very, very talented guy. He's also a poet. Um, really cool. interesting fellow who I met through Facebook, through Facebook old time hmm. music groups. Okay, cool. Um, he was posting his music there. And I guess I commented and um, uh, we ended up getting to know one another. Um, so I, I had a chance to uh, chat with him and as well, um, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy uh, David Sawyer performing for us here on the agency. Great. So we're going to go and talk to David right now. We're here today with David Sawyer down in North Carolina. David's a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and he's a YouTuber. And he's going to play a song for us right now. It's called Poor Old Fred. Welcome to the agency, David. Thank you for having me, Eugene. One, two, a one, two, three, four. Police shot my friend. Lord, they found him in the alley. A lead pipe in his hand. Bullets took him down. Three bullets to the head. Poor old Fred. Poor old Fred. around his neck. 
shot him three times. Three bullets to the hip. Poor old Fred. 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 Police shot my friend. Lord, they found him in the alley. A lead pipe in his hand. Bullets took him down. Three bullets to the head. Poor old Fred. 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 Thank you, David. Thanks, man. Thank you, Eugene. That's an excellent tune. Ah, thanks. Um, for our listeners, uh, I, I met David through various Facebook groups, old-time music and banjo Facebook groups, and uh, he writes some of the most unique songs. I'd like to share some of the titles. Do you mind if I do that? Yes, sir. Um, here's a selection of, uh, of David's song titles. Uh, Hobo Carney Jeff. Barney Rubble's Fit of Jealousy, or I Love You, Wilma. You've just heard Poor Old Fred, uh, Spit and Giggle, Diddy Up McKinney, Reoccurring Dreams of Pet Shops, Beautiful Goth. It's interesting because you obviously come from a bluegrass or old time tradition, but um, your songs... Um, are very much from a kind of pop musical sorts of sort of tradition, don't you think? Yes, sir. I love pop music. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I love bluegrass and I love old time just as much. But I love classical too. I'm not real uh, majorly a classical buff, I could say, you know. But uh, I love Bach and Mozart, and I like some Tchaikovsky. And, uh, I like Paganini, but uh, I, I even like soundtracks too, you know. So you're playing mandolin on, on that tune. Was that yes, your sir. first instrument? No, sir. The first instrument I ever played was the tuba. But uh, I absolutely love brass, too. But the tuba didn't, you know, it just was big, too heavy for me. And, and my dad said, well, why don't you try the mandolin, son? It's a little bit lighter, you know. And I really got to dig it, you know. And, um, love the sound of them. So you play mandolin, banjo, ukulele, fiddle, and tuba is there more well and piano not real well at the piano but tuba i don't really do anymore i haven't done it in a long time uh, but uh, I, I love the sound of them. we used to have, we, we used to even have a whole bunch of old mouthpieces that we had left over from our music store my dad toured with chet Atkins growing up and we used to uh, own a music store in, here in elizabeth city north carolina but he also used to tour with wolfman jack and eddie arnold but he also toured with benny martin when dad was playing on the harmonica in the late 60s. So you you came by this music thing honestly then? Yes. Well, my mom is a church musician and she's been playing and teaching now for over 40 years. So, you know, that means basically we'll we'll be poor our whole lives. Wow, that's really fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, well long, yeah, yeah. How long have you been YouTubing? Um, maybe six years around that, maybe a little longer. Maybe six or seven years, I'm thinking. 
I'd like to and urge some, our, our, and, and our listeners to uh, to go I find have... David Sawyer on YouTube. Subscribe, listen to the tunes, click like if you like them. Um, One uh, of my so... songs, if, if you'd like to link it, it's it's David Sawyer. And if you type in David Sawyer on YouTube, the song will come up as Spelunker, S-P-E-L-U-N-K-E-R. Okay. It's got a, the, the whole name of the song is called Spelunker with Spaghetti and Meatballs Caprice Number One in D Major, because a friend out a, a friend of mine out in Colorado said he used to spelunker, but between breaks he would eat spaghetti, and I'm like, well, there's a song title. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, your your lyrics are are really unique and uh, uh, oh, thank you, Eugene. In, in some ways, uh, unusual. You know, you find. Um, really unusual uh, bits of life and, and bring them together in, in, in tunes in a really remarkable way. That means a lot, man. And I've noticed there's a, a, a few people have been covering your tunes lately. Yes, sir. I wanted to mention some people. I wanted to mention my friend, Jesse Burnett, uh, Burnett with two T's. She covered one of my songs called Barney Rubble's Fit of Jealousy. It was uh, basically a song about the Flintstones, but like in an alternate universe, if Barney had a, had got it on, so to speak, with Wilma. <laughs> and, and you know we've all is, thought about that. Oh, sure, sure. So it's called uh, uh, Barney Rubble's Fit of Jealousy, and it's a music video covered by and produced by Jesse Burnett. And I'd also like to mention another friend of mine. Her name is Janet Burton. She did one of my tunes called Giddy Up McKinney, and she's in California. Uh, I love her cover of Giddy Up McKinney. I think it's awesome. Uh, Janet Burton is uh, very active in the old time music, banjo music community. Uh, she's a, a really fabulous player and you should check out her channel as well. Um, she, plays a, she plays a banjo and she plays actually a short scale banjo. Um, it's quite a unique, quite a unique banjo. Oh, and, she's, she's a genius, dude. And she she's a really like, nice she's person. She's got a- finger. She's got a fabulous ear and a fabulous website too. And uh, we're, we're going to link to that too on our Facebook page. Can I, can I mention a few other names? Oh yeah, please do. I say uh, my friend Carl Thomas in the UK, he covered one of my songs called, it's the same tune as the uh, Barney Rubble's Fit of Jealousy. He made a, an instrumental jazz version of it. And my friend Hillary Durham, she's up from around Virginia, the North Carolina region. She did a SoundCloud version of one of my tunes called Hobo Dempsey's Vagrant Blues. That's and that's on SoundCloud. I, it must feel good to have uh, have other people playing your tunes. Oh, it is. It's 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 uh, it, it's neat. <laughs> I'd like uh, to. They, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and I wanted to mention one more name. My friend Jim Allen in Ohio. He covered one of my tunes called Poor Old Fred. And he also covered another song called Beautiful Goth. Excellent. He's in Ohio. I'd like to talk to you a bit about your songwriting process. Do you start with the tune or do you start with an idea or some snippets of words? How do you go about putting together a song? Well, most of the time, if I come up with a few, a few lines, I'll write that down on my iPad first. Or if, I, if you know, if it's charging, so to speak, I'll, I'll pick up a pad and paper and do it that way. But um old school yes sir yes sir i do i do uh, scribble a lot so uh and then you uh do, do you have an instrument in mind when you when you come up with a tune usually the mandolin the mandolin was pr primarily my first instrument so I, I stick with that and then ukulele or banjo and then go that way i'm not really great at piano which is one thing i absolutely wish i could have been because uh, my mom like i said she's a music teacher and 
pianist and organist and she teaches the upright bass and the flute as well but uh i've always loved the piano and, and never really went i wish i could have got better at it but i never did so you also write poems yes sir uh i've got one poem it's the only poem i've recited on on my uh, channel it's called vaquero souvenir it's about vaqueros mexican cowboys and uh, it's on my it's on my channel, David Sawyer. And you type in on YouTube, David Sawyer Vaquero Souvenir. Okay, excellent. Hopefully, our, our listeners will will check that out, and we'll try to link to that on our Facebook page as well. Oh, awesome! Um, Thank you again for this, Eugene. This is this has made my year, man. Oh well, we're really happy to uh, to have you on. We're always looking for for interesting people to to talk with on uh, on the agency. I also wanted to tell you about my grandmother. Her name was Edna Hampton Neverdowski, and uh, she was around in the Depression era, and she lived in a community called Church's Island, and I wrote a song about it called Church's Island Waltz, which is just a, a waltz, but anyway, when she grew up during the Depression, she talked about uh, this man named, she remember, she recalls this man's name, Rainer, who was uh, the mailman, but she, it, this was uh, in the, close to the Outer Banks region of North Carolina, so on the coast, and uh, periodically, every winter, the the the, the curry tuck sound would freeze over, and this man from Corolla Lighthouse, he would drive, he carried the mail from uh, Corolla Island across the curry tuck sound on the ice on, in an Austin Healy. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And you, uh, you know, I worked for the post 30. office for thirty years up here in Canada. Awesome, man. Yeah, because uh, I didn't deliver hard. mail; I worked inside. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, it looks hard, <laughs> especially during the, the bad weather, man. Well, they were very good, very good to me. It was good to have a steady gig to support my my art habit. Oh, that's cool. He does have some fabulous art, y'all. Um, yeah, we uh, we featured one of my paintings along with uh, one of David's videos a while back. It's called the Apple Box Blues. And there's, I believe, somebody has covered Apple Box Blues as well. Uh, yes, sir. It's my friend Sky Rochelle Wilson. She's from Missouri. No, excuse me. She's from California, but she's a transplant to Missouri. Her husband, Carl, is a, a, a full-time magician. So he works in Branson sometimes. Oh, fantastic. And, yes, and her channel is uh, Ukulele Sky? Ukulele Sky. Yes, sir. She's got Excellent. a lot of great tunes on there. She does a version of, let's see, hold on. Uh, she does another one of mine called Caterpillars Can't Fly in parentheses. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what's the name. Caterpillars Can't Don't Fly in parentheses. Let's see. Hold on. I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, don't Look at Me. Print, yeah, that's it. Right. That's an excellent tune, too. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I think uh, when our listeners visit your YouTube channel, it's like you go down that rabbit hole and you're you're just going to go <laughs> and enter uh, enter David Sawyer world, which is oh. a, a whole different trip. I think everyone's really going to enjoy it. <laughs> I hope it's not scary. <laughs> I don't think it's scary. Oh. So uh, you're going to do another tune for us. Do you want to tell us about that one? Yes, sir. This is the Spelunker tune. I wrote this about uh, 10 years ago or something, uh, maybe a little less than that, but uh, it's a classical thing I wrote for mandolin. Oh, excellent. Well, 
I'd like to thank you for, for joining us on the agency today. And of course, once you talk to us on the agency, you're officially a special agent. Oh, wow. Because we try oh, to have right agents on, all over all over the United States and Canada. We're going to take over. I love the Joe Newberry show with him and April Virch. Oh, yeah, that was great of Joe to come on and, uh, and chat with us. I got to play with Joe one time. And he let me play as Kevin Enoch Banjo, so I'll never forget that. And the Rooster's wife in Aberdeen, North Carolina. Nice. Yeah, I've met Joe as well at Midwest Banjo Camp in uh, Olivet, Michigan. Oh. Uh, I've been down there for three different camps, and, and Joe teaches at that camp. Uh, and I've had a chance to jam with him and take workshops with him. Um, a re remarkable musician. Yes, uh, uh, it was really a, an honor to be able to chat with him here on the podcast. Yes, sir. It's a great interview. So thank you again for for joining us, David. We really appreciate it. And we're going to finish with one more tune. Take it away. Yes, sir. And we're back and what a beautiful um, melody or music from David Sawyer. I really enjoyed that interview. That was a lot of fun. And you know what? I, I want to go to the Outer Banks now. I want to meet him in person. <laughs> oh, that would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Um, I peed my pants laughing. I've you know, <laughs> got to clean up my Airbnb chair here because um, he, was, he, he was delightful and hilarious. And also, did you notice there was a couple of themes of Splunker? that we've talked about recently. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And, he, and you know, David, if you're listening, something we have in common is as painters, we love titles because we're always trying to title a painting. That's true. So I thought that was really interesting. He's got some great titles and hilarious lyrics. And I hope everyone checks out his music. He, I, he needs to be listened to by everybody and make lots of money on YouTube and uh, be a star. What a delightful yeah, I, human being. I, I think so too. And that's why I'm really happy to to see that that uh, people are starting to uh, to cover his tunes because um, his tunes deserve a lot more recognition. Right. And I thought, what a charming gentleman by mentioning all his friends and telling us to check out. So generous of you, David. And I love how you kept recommending people. That was awesome. And uh, Grandma, I want to go to Church's Island. You know, I've been to the Outer Banks. One of my favorite, uh, one of my dream vacations would be to sail from the Grand Banks in Canada down to the Outer Banks. The Outer Banks are wow, beautiful, be Eugene. Yeah, that'd be a crazy trip. Um, uh, all along that coastline, I've, I've traveled down there. Um, when 9-11 happened, my brother-in-law is a journalist and he had to cover uh, Washington, D.C. 
And so um, I met him and my sister and their new baby in DC and we did a, a road trip down to the Outer Banks and uh, we had a great time. Um, my sister and I saw a spy game in a little town on a little uh, seaside town in the middle of winter. It was really cool at a, at a theater, at a movie theater. That's how long ago that was. And um, yeah, we just, I, I love the Outer Banks, the food, the seafood. We saw dolphins swing, swimming. Nice. I mean, what a beautiful location. Hey, before um, we before we move on, yeah. I wanted to say that uh, the opening tune on the podcast today uh, was David Sawyer as well, and it's one of his uh, YouTube performances of a song called "Beautiful Goth." Love it, <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> I also love the song that he, um, uh, "Poor Old Fred." With a lot of violence and guns. It's a violent tune, and, isn't it? You know what? The the violence doesn't just happen. In, in cities like Chicago and New York, it happens everywhere. Uh, important to remember, we're all um, we're all living the goth lifestyle, where we could uh, life is a what did Garp say? Life is a is terminal. We're all terminal cases. <laughs> yes, Garp. I haven't thought of a Garp in a long time. My goodness. I don't know why that came into my head right now. I have no idea. Um, no idea at all. I also wanted to mention Moses. I, I, I drove by Moses, uh, who was our guest last week. And while I'm listening to some of the lyrics of, of David, I couldn't help but see some crossovers and, and it made my mind wander. But um, I talked to Moses for a few minutes and dropped off some swag. He's got an agency hat. And uh, we're going to have to send something out to David. I'll do that. I, I want to drive it down to the Outer Banks and deliver it in person. <laughs> So, um, but Moses, I was like, hey, great episode. Thanks for visiting us. And he said that, you know, everyone who phoned, I, and I joked, I said, oh my God, I laughed so hard when Eugene said straight like that. And he said, listen, people, my family and friends were calling me and the only thing they wanted to talk about was, I can't believe you got that guy to say that. <laughs> <laughs> After all the interview, they're like, I can't believe Eugene said that straight like that. I thought that was pretty funny. I gave it my best shot too. You did give it your best shot. Yes, it was good. And we learned something. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I just, I came across an odd little book a few days ago and I bought it on Kindle and gobbled it up. It's it's a book. I'm not sure why I decided to read it exactly. Oh, maybe I sort of know. Uh, it's called, it's called, Dylan and Me: Fifty Years of Adventures. Oh, so I think the first thing that got me was the title, Fifty Years of Adventures. That's odd. It doesn't mean Bob Dylan, does it? Yes, it does. Oh my God! Um, and it's by a guy named Louis Kemp, and because um, I was I was at one point quite a Bob Dylan fan. Were you? Um, I I happen to know who Louis Kemp. Is Louis oh. Kemp? Louis Kemp is a guy in the fish business, uh, and he's Bob Dylan's one of Bob Dylan's boyhood friends oh. from like a Jewish summer camp when they were oh. eleven years old. That's cool. And, um, he uh, his distinction in the food business is he learned a process for a way of processing fish from uh, Japanese processors. Um, and he developed it to basically invent what we know today as imitation crab. 
Ah. You know the stuff I mean? Sure Comes I do, usually in a vacuum pack. It's I made of pollock, mm-hmm. but tastes like tastes like crab. Absolutely. Um, he he started this process in Duluth, Minnesota, <laughs> and it became a a huge business for him. And he eventually sold that part of the business, I believe, to Oscar Meyer and became very, very wealthy out of the whole damn uh, the whole deal. So he could afford to have adventures with Bob Dylan. Well, yeah. The other, the other thing that got me, the other thing that got me was, you know, a lot of times when people who aren't writers want to write books, they have a ghostwriter. Uh-huh. Well, you'll never believe who the ghostwriter is for this book. I'm going to guess Bob Dylan. It's not Bob Dylan. It's Kinky Friedman. No way. Yes. Jose, I can't believe it. So when I saw it was ghostwritten <laughs> by Kinky Friedman, I thought, I have to read this book. Yeah, you, you you started this story out going like, I don't know why I was attracted to this book. Come on. <laughs> but it's, I guess it's kind of obvious, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the Kinky Friedman uh, connection uh, was there. And it turns out it's an absolutely charming book oh. because it's not a book about Bob Dylan exactly. It's a book about Louis Kemp and his childhood buddies and their lives. And so it takes a much different sort of um, look at, uh, well, it's mega superstar. um, And how this guy, Louis Kemp, was kind of dragged into the rock and roll business Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) in 1975. Uh, Bob Dylan and Louis Kemp were hanging out and Dylan explained his idea for the Rolling Thunder review tour Mm -hmm. and said, Louis, I want you to produce the tour. Oh, cool. And Louis said, well, I don't know anything about producing a rock and roll tour. (laughs) Uh, But he had, he had hung out on the previous Bob Dylan tour. He went on the tour just, and it's possible that, that Bob wanted him to, learn about the rock and roll business so, so is adventures code word for falling on white powder <laughs> um no i don't okay. i don't think so oh, okay. um i mean certainly there's there's mentions of drug use mostly marijuana use mm. uh, but um louis kemp i don't think even drank okay well, that's good. That's very good for a producer or a manager. <laughs> yeah, although I know that that one of the other um, people involved in that Rolling Thunder tour, uh, Chris O'Dell, I read her book as well, and she talks about tables full of cocaine uh, on okay. that tour. So I'm sure right. there was a lot of that. Uh, oh, going you can on. see it in Bob Dylan's nose in the in the movie. <laughs> it's all over his nose. <laughs> um, so this doesn't deal with any of that really, except for some mentions of it. Okay. Uh, But Louis Kemp also became close friends with Joni Mitchell Mm -hmm. um, and all sorts of other people who were celebrities. Um, And one of the reasons why they became friends is, well, he wasn't a fan exactly. He was just a friend, you know, he, um, he didn't want anything from these people. Right. And that whole relationship changes when you don't want something from somebody right. and, I, and i guess if you're a superstar everybody wants something um right. from you so it was really interesting the way this boyhood friendship kept up for decades yeah. and and decades 
uh, I think Bob Dylan was the best man at uh, at Louis's wedding, for instance. Mm. Mm-hmm. So charming little book. It's not oh. a significant book in in any kind of way. It's a, just a really charming book about this guy and his two buddies, and one of whom just happens to become a great big star. Right. Uh, so it has to do with the rock and roll business, and that this guy kind of gets in, involved with it. You know, as Dylan said to him, oh, yeah, you could do this job, Louis. You know, if you can run a fish business, you can do rock and roll. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, if you're interested in, uh, I don't know, Bob Dylan or rock and roll, it's it's a charming book. That's mostly what I'll say about it. It's it's just a lovely, it's a loving kind of book about buddies. Good. I, I'm, I'm actually very curious to read it. I think I'll, I'll, I'll check it out in the near future. Yeah, I just couldn't stop myself from reading right. it. I had, I think once I saw it was Kiki Friedman involved, I, right. I, um, you know, I'm very familiar with uh, Kiki Friedman and the Texas Jew Boys musically. Right. Um, and his mystery books. And his mystery books as well. Right. Uh-huh. I think he also ran for governor of Texas. I think he did too. I think he's really one of those American spirit characters, you know, he, yeah, he's a really thing, special, character. unique person. Yeah, personality. Um, yeah, pretty cool. So I'm going to give it a, a, a sort of a guarded recommendation. It's not for everybody, but it's a charming story. That you, I, it's not the kind of story you expect. So right. Oh, oh cool. And you haven't revealed anything, so that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not it a tell-all book either. Okay. Right. Right. It's not, we don't it's really, just not, it's not that kind of. No, I was aiming for that rather, you know, ironically or with the urban cynicism. And I'm, I apologize for that. <laughs> oh, because I always give away everything? No, I meant because of the, the drug use. Oh, I see. Which yeah. I don't mean in any moralistic fashion. I mean it really as curiosity. Well, I, I think at that period of time, um, Everybody. It's really endemic in rock and roll. And besides, people are still doing all kinds of, I'm, I'm not against it at all. Listen, I'm the one who's promoting psychedelic healing, remember? There with Michael Pollan and and uh, how to deal with depression and consciousness and all that science. I love it. And obviously, a lot of people find things very creative by um, using um, botanical ingredients to enhance their creativity sure. and their enjoyment of life. <laughs> I'm not against it at all. In fact, I had a, a steak and I went out and had a, there's a place here in Nashville. We were here, what, a year and a, just before we started this podcast, I think. Um, we had gone to Nashville not that long ago. And um, and uh, we found this place called Butcher and Bee. And the reason I found it was because when I came to Nashville with my friend, Karen, who was looking, she was thinking of moving here. So her and I came down, we drove down and Steg flew down for a couple of days because he was working. And I would just Google, um, hipster foodie and find all kinds of great That's restaurants <laughs> <laughs> and so we found butcher and the bee and it's so amazing that as soon as i my whole concern was like okay i'm gonna have a nap but we have to get into nashville before that restaurant closes because with uh, you know obviously with covid a lot of restaurants are still closing at nine although tootsie's was open till two last night we noticed Wow. And um, Tootsie's is a bar right by the Grand Old Opry or the Ryman Theater downtown. Yeah, it's and the bar where, where legend has it Hank Williams would get drunk and then stagger across uh, right. uh, across the road to the, the, the theater. 32 steps or 57 steps or whatever. <laughs> whatever it yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we had some wine last night, but they have this dish called whipped feta and fermented 
fermented honey. And, you know, it blew my mind a year and a half ago, two years ago when we had it. And um, I've been thinking, I thought about it so much that I guess this could be comfort food diner that I tried to recreate it at home. So I fermented honey by putting garlic in it and leaving it in a jar for a week, stirring it every now and then. Interesting. What happens? Oh, it's delightful. I cannot explain the taste at all. And hey, if our beekeepers are listening, this could be a whole other um, angle. Grow gar- I think our beekeepers might even be growing garlic. Um, but you put the garlic in a, you know, a mason jar for a week and it does something to it. It turns it into a very liquid, a much more watery texture. And I used, I've used the honey from Zach and Amba. I've used the honey from my friend Bob, from my beekeeper friends. And then you whip this um, feta up in a blender or some kind of processor with some herbs. Um, I think I put, I think I put parsley and thyme. I can't remember exactly what I put in it. It's been a couple of months since I made it. And then you put this fermented honey in it and you dip cucumber slices, or if you eat bread, you could put pita. It is fucking mind blowing. So we had that last night. I, I mean, I was almost like a wild dog. Like we have to get there, we have to get there. And we got a ride share there so that we could get there in time before they closed. <laughs> and it was as good as I remembered. Definitely amazing. So whipped feta with fermented, fermented honey. honey. Oh, you know, I'm boy. a fan of fermented foods in general. Exactly. So this is right. Perfect for you. And then we had, um, a, they have this thing. It's like a cauliflower steak and potatoes and there's tamarind on it. I'm not a huge tamarind fan, but they put just the right amount on there. Um, how would I explain the food? I, steak gets mad at me because I call it um, elevated frat boy food. And I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> it's just that it's such unusual combination. Well, I guess like, you should be eating elevated flat, uh, frat boy food in a hipster foodie restaurant. Correct. So you've got it. That's right. And I'm saying all of this with intense love. And, in, you know, I mean, I had to hit the road and get there in time. So we did step out in the city. And um, on our ride share, of course, you know, we're talking to the people we're seeing. And um, we had to ask uh, the rideshare, oh, are you from Nashville? No, he moved here six months ago during the pandemic um, from Minnesota. And we were, oh, well, because of the weather. And he's like, definitely, um, you know, the weather changes the way the pandemic is because you can go outside a lot longer here. Um, poor Nashville, before the country went into quarantine, had a tornado. So our server last night, we were asking her, how did you guys get, did you stay open? Were you, did you close? They had to close a week before the quarantine, the official quarantine, because a tornado went right down Main Street past their building and tore up every place beside it. Uh, the liquor store survived, but you can see some remnants of the tornado, like boards on windows. At first I thought, was this from Black Lives Matter? No, uh, it was, you know, because a lot of places board up the windows because they're afraid of pro- protesters, right? I see. Yeah, I don't know if that would happen in Canada, but um, it's not uncommon to see um, corporations all boarded up and you can still go in them, but they've got the boards up. They've had them almost up on and off all year because there's so many cop killings, right? Well, I think that's happening right now in Minnesota. They're battening down the hatches, um, waiting for a verdict in this trial because it could be explosive if this guy isn't found guilty. Right, but you and I talked last week. Not only are they thinking about the Derek Chauvin trial, but the cops killed somebody during the Derek Chauvin trial. Yes, so that's what I'm saying. How crazy could this possibly be? Well, it can be crazy. It can it can be crazier. You'd think it can't get crazier. And look at Nashville, a tornado, then a pandemic. 
So anyway, our server said that it did, the restaurant had closed for a week or so while they got through the, the um, tornado, they open up for another week and then the whole country goes into quarantine. And, you know, I know a lot of people think everybody in the, in the States is not compliant with mask wearing and everything, but Nashville, anywhere, you know, Nashville has been compliant. I'm sure there's places you can go and um, hang out and see people without masks, but it, anywhere we've driven and friends we know in, in Miami or anywhere, they're wearing masks and they have been the whole time. There are people who do not like it and, and are rejecting it, but it's not everybody in the United States. And definitely Chicago is a very cautious city. Um, yeah, and I'm sorry to hear about Ontario. It's mind blowing. Again, it's because the vaccines are not available and people are going out, I guess, right? Well, uh, I think it's, I think it's complicated. Uh, there's, um, a poor rollout of the vaccines that are available. It hasn't been right. very targeted, um, to where the problem is. Right. Um, and as well, I think people are tired of of being locked down, yeah. and um, COVID fatigue. And the weather got nicer, and people are just you know going out. Yeah. As well, you yeah. know, I, I I mentioned last week the pictures from Trinity Bellwoods Park because it's very very difficult to stay right. Right. Uh, socially distanced from people. Yes. In uh, yes. that in that kind of uh, that kind of crowded environment. Correct. You know, there's a very important pagan festival coming up. Which one is that? That would be the Academy Awards. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, World by the Star. way, if you could hear something in the background, I can. But my phone rang, and it's uh, <laughs> it's a, a spam call from like this is the legal department at Service Canada, <laughs> and they have a warrant out for my arrest. Did uh, you open it? No, it's but it goes to my message machine. On we have a oh. landline here. <laughs> Uh, because somebody in our family needs to have a landline. Uh, so um, we well, get all, all the spam calls. And because I'm talking here, it's just come on to the answering machine. And does that play quietly? No. It, it anyway. Right. Well, I do recommend, I, I think having a landline is, is a good idea. We do not have a landline anymore. We have a voice, a voice one that goes through the internet. Um, it's not a landline. And I wish I wish sometimes we did still have a landline. I know a number of people that keep them. Um, we had a, you know, this sort of ties into the last time we were in Miami, actually, was that Stag and I had a studio fire. We lost everything. Um, and, you know, the phones came into that because I was using the landline. And of course, I had to try and keep it going through a phone call to 911. And I had a little flip phone at the time, right? So that, that's kind of weird. But the landline eventually, even with a fire, that's not that reliable. But at least the landline gave them the location, I think, of where we were, if I remember correctly. Well, and I, I think... I for, don't for, know if that's true or not now that I say that. For, for my generation, uh, the landline still offers a sense of security, I think. Definitely. Definitely. I know, I know people that keep them, for sure. So we have ours, but mostly I get spam calls. Right. Well, um, you know, codename Roadway, he still has a landline and he's fully vaccinated now the uh the, the the parents are fully vaccinated so we're pretty excited about that all right yeah so i finished <laughs> the second season of succession oh how was it well you know it's like everything wrong in america is is in this show 
Oh um, yeah. And and I of course I love every minute of it. Uh, it's <laughs> so so well done. Uh, yeah. I, we mentioned it last week. It's a family <laughs> drama, but <laughs> this particular family is super rich owners of a media conglomerate that looks suspiciously like Fox. Mm -hmm. It does. Um, they are super rich, super privileged, refrigerator white, um, <laughs> super dysfunctional, awful people uh, who have all the same kinds of family problems as um, regular people. Right. Um, they plot and scheme against one another. Um, and as well, there's a backdrop of a huge sexual assault and harassment scandal mm. um, in this company. Um, and the main perpetrator uh, who dies during the, the, the series, curiously enough, um, his name is Lester. But if there was any question that everybody knew what this guy was up to, they called him Mo. Mm -hmm. Because Mo Lester. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it gets that kind of rears its head uh, mm -hmm. into the second season um, and gets super ugly. And um, there's uh, there's like attempted buyouts of the company and and all kinds of intrigue. Um, and uh, I I totally love every second of it. Oh, I think it's, I, I think it's I, yeah, I bet I, I'm looking forward to the second season. I can see that it could really have a lot of potential. And I think it's got an international appeal, too, because there's corporations and the corporate mindset and the capitalist mindset is everywhere. So well, think, yeah, and it, it really shows a lot of the ugliness right. uh, of it all. Um, and well, also shows that that, you know, there's people <laughs> involved in this corporation. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself here. My stomach's growling from the coffee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the people who run this corporation have the same petty family problems as, as everybody else. True. Um, you know, so we see on the one hand, um, we love to hate them, but mm -hmm. we see that, well, our, our, how distant are we from this awfulness? True. And it's, yeah. it's, it's not unlike The Sopranos. And it reminds me of Robin Wood, who, and I've quoted this before, that capitalism and patriarchy uh, are the major forces that run the world. And those two forces corrupt relationships. Sure. So Cer it, certainly in this series. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and you can find that in film and, 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 and the, and in, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely in that series. And that's what I thought of when I was watching it. So good. It's, and now, do you remember last week I mentioned um, that the first series, the first episode's called Celebration? And it made me think of the movie The Celebration, um, which was a Danish film. And um, it's directed by Thomas Vinterberg. And he is nominated for an Oscar this year for, um, I think, a movie called Another Round, which I have not seen. And I thought that was really kind of, that's fun. I didn't realize it until I was looking at my, variety movie listings of what is um, nominated this year for best picture um, and we've only seen a couple of I haven't seen I haven't seen these movies I'm so out of it um, and I guess you can I definitely could have uploaded them I suppose or bought them on on the on I'm sure they're available on cable but I didn't even make the effort to do that yet so I'm not going to know a lot of the things but what I'm really excited about for best picture is promising young woman 
and Carrie Mulligan is nominated for Best Actor. It, I'm rooting for Promising Young Woman. I don't think it will get it, but that's the movie I want to win. Right. Um, because I saw it and I think it's my favorite movie. So is The Trial of Chicago 7. Is also nominated for Best Picture. Um, oh, that's an excellent film too. It was such a good film. And then Minari is nominated. Did you see that Korean film? Because it's, I think you should. It's a coming of age story maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, excellent film. Yes. So, um, and Mank is nominated as well. So we've talked about a couple of those films, but normally I would try to see all the movies nominated, right? And um, do you remember, I don't know if you know anything about Dogma 95. Have we ever talked about that here? Mm, because sure. the fellow who is nominated right now for another round, uh, Thomas Winterberg, who did the celebration, uh, he's part of Dogma 95. And 95 refers to, I believe, the year 1995, where it was, these guys were the cutting edge on filmmaking. Uh, Lars von Trier, I'm not sure that it's he's somebody. Yeah, we have talked about these guys a little bit. Yeah. yeah. They had yeah. a manifesto and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's part of that group. And okay. um, so it's kind of cool to hear his name come up. Uh, and you know who else is nominated up with Carrie Mulligan is my fave, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey. So I'm pretty torn up about that. I'd be happy. I, you know what? I love them all. They're all so talented. All the people nominated. And, you know, I like the whole struggle of, like, what's going to win? So did, we're going to watch that Pagan, sorry, Pagan did Festival. First, did First Cow get any nominations? Not at all. Not that really? I see at all. No, I can't see anything like that. Wow. I would have nominated that for Best Picture. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic film. Well, that shows how many good films were coming out during the pandemic. Yeah, or shows just how weird the picks are. Well, the weird, it's always like that. It's always weird picks. And, and, and many times, you know, there's been times where I was like so pissed that something, you know, Forrest Gump won over Reservoir, over um, Pulp Fiction. That's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Who talks, about, you know, who, what, what's standing the test of time? But, and who was innovative? But that's not how they vote, you know? The year Goodfellas came out, who, who, what won over that year? No, but who, people are still talking about Goodfellas. Um, so they, it isn't always the films that are the most innovative or time lasting, you know? That's true. It's sometimes, and did I mention that Mank is too? So we watched Mank. <laughs> it's nominated oh, yeah. for Best Picture Mank was too. boring, man. <laughs> so, um, and, but, and you know. You've even watched it more than once. I mean, I would have just napped um, twice through it. Well, I think I did nap twice through it. And I, and, and I'm, I feel like I'm the one, I'm the audience, the target audience for that mm -hmm. film. Um, yeah, just maybe a little bit. I don't know what it was. And I certainly liked moments of it. I just feel like maybe it needed a little bit more drama little bit more i'm gonna try and watch nomadland this week though i'm really curious about that and i'm i nomadland? wish i had seen it yeah it's with francis mcdormand and i think you're gonna to want to watch this too because oh, I've, I've heard her performance is remarkable in this well not only that the storyline is kind of interesting it's about people who are um want to be self-sufficient and survival and to be nomads and and it sounds so counterculture that i i really am curious about it and i really want to see it I'm gonna try and watch it on, on on during this week. Is it streaming? It's. I think it might be stream. I think all of them are streaming. I think all of them. But you're gonna to have to pay for them, right? Uh, ah. Quite a bit of probably a full fare for it. But um, I'm gonna try and see that before Sunday. So we're going to watch the Academy Awards with. Um, we're going to stay with Stakes, one of his longest old-time friends. Speaking of being friends with somebody since you were 11, like Bob Dylan. Um, 
I've got my friend Jenny and he has his friend Derek. He's got a few friends that he's still buddies with and we're staying with his, Derek's mom this week, Tony and Dan. So um, if they're out there listening, hi, we'll see you in a few days. They're putting this up too because we cannot go to Florida without seeing them because that would be a crime, mm -hmm. a crime against the universe. And so, um, and they're all fully vaccinated too. And so, um, so are our hosts in Miami. So, uh, you know, the whole restaurant was vaccinated last night, all the staff. It's just Excellent. kind of amazing to see that um, the rollout out of all the chaos that could have happened in the past year or two, that actually once the vaccines were available, I'm going to give, you know, the United States the credit they deserve. They are rolling this shit out. Yes. Um, mom, and mom and dad had, a, he said it was full military operation when they got their vaccine. There was all people in um, in their camo and everything. Oh, whatever it takes. Yeah, that's a yeah. good place for soldiers to be helping people. Yes, I agree. Um, uh, avoid uh, a disease. Absolutely. Well, you know, um, our old friend Pete. Uh, you, you think, oh, well, we don't like war. Well, it, military doesn't always have anything to do with war. It teaches people. It's it's teamwork, physical teamwork for search and rescue, and for something like vaccines. Even if there was no war, we would still want to have a military. It doesn't have to be like for control or power. It can be for service. And that is cool. So you've been reading, I've been reading Vanity Fair. I'm catching up. I had a few episodes, a few um, issues I'm behind on. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm still writing. I, I'm going to try and send you this week um, the a little novel. bit of a draft of this mystery novel. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'd like to do some work on that. I want fun. you to. Um, it has a subtitle. Do you want me to tell you what I, the working title is right well, now? Well, first of all, tell our, tell our listeners who may not have heard the episode. Oh, right. What the hell I'm talking it, about? What you're talking about. Well, we had this idea. I think someone, we joked about writing a mystery novel together. And then we've had a couple of responses. Tim said we could have a, a Yeti in it, which maybe we would do. This I have gone from a different approach. Um, I've It's called Army Strong. And the subtitle is A True North Mystery. I okay. like it. <laughs> so that we can have a series. I mean, I think we could just call it A True North Mystery as a subtitle or not. And if we never make it happen, then it's not going to be a series. So it could be and, a, yeah, a whole series of True North Mysteries. Right, right. That's... I was just okay, trying I'm, to do... I'm, I'm there. I am totally right. there. Listen, you give I me really, a starting point, I'll do some work on it and send it back. You know what I thought I'd do is I, I, I will send it probably within 24 hours or so. Um, I want to do a couple more notes on it. And it wouldn't necessarily be dialogue, but a couple of, of things I see in the future of it. You know what I mean? Like a note thing, an outline, but not a firm outline, just ideas. I just want to kind of do that. I've got a little bit of dialogue in another setting I want to put in there before I send it to you. Okay, sounds good. I'm, I'm pretty, um, pretty excited I've, about it. I've mailed uh, a couple copies of the latest Squeezebox Man to you. I hope uh, it gets you. there successfully with you not being in town. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. fine. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, that's okay. I ordered up some business cards too. And I. this is so terrible. I'm horrified. I sent them to our address in Miami. <laughs> I've got to remember to tell our host that I've done that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what else to do, and I wanted to send some to you right away, and I wanted to have some on this trip so I can pass them out to people and try and get more listeners to the agency. And I hope we get to some galleries in Miami. I don't know if we will, but we're going to try and pencil that in, okay? Okay. And that's, that's it. And I'm pretty excited. I will definitely share some photos of what we're up to. Yes, please do. Yeah, like, but probably not until the weekend. Probably not until the weekend. We're technically filming on Friday. Good. Yeah. 
Well, I've been working on new paintings. Um, I, I can't seem to keep flying saucers out of my paintings these days. I, I'm not <laughs> sure I could even explain that. Oh, uh, you don't have to explain making... it to me. I put flying saucers in all the time. All right. They, they keep making appearances. Uh -huh. So I'm just finishing up uh, one of those. And I've been spending a lot of time learning the fiddle. Oh. You know, the more I'm learning it, the more... The more I can play a little bit better, the more I want to play more. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yes. And as you achieve some success, it's more exciting to uh, to try to to learn to get better. So, absolutely. So I've been just playing up a storm. Um, sometimes a couple hours a day, and uh, I'm starting to see some results, which is really kind of exciting for me. Right. But one of these days I'll do a I'll do a video playing the the fiddle and put it on the oh yeah uh, on on the Facebook uh, group. I want to get a little bit better at it first. Good idea. That's a I'm great very self conscious about my fiddling. Are you? Uh, and you know what? I think it's long overdue that you share some fiddle music with us. You know, maybe we'll even get to the place where we'll put some fiddle on on in, with the banjo or or as an alternative. Yeah, that would be fun to do. Yeah. Um, I'm learning now um, a mid-Missouri fiddle tune called Gilsaw, mm -hmm. which is a, a really lovely tune that I know from initially uh, from uh, an album uh, by a band called Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the, the album's called I Got a Bulldog. Mm -hmm. um, it features... Uh, John Herman on banjo and uh, Meredith McIntosh, I think, plays bass um, and two fiddlers, one of whom is Reese Jones, a Midwestern fiddler. Oh. So these are really wonderful musicians and it's a great album. Uh, if you're interested in old time music and you, you want to know where to start and uh, in building up some listening material, uh, I would I would highly recommend uh these guys um, who also uh, some of them are also in a different band uh, that goes by the name of chicken train also <laughs> really excellent <laughs> so in any, any case that's how I first heard Gilsaw and uh, I've more recently been listening to mid-Missouri versions uh, we know it because of a, a fiddler named Pete uh, McMahon and uh, a number of people learned it from him and there's a couple tutorials online so I'm, I'm working on uh, on that one and uh, a number of other tunes at the same time that, mm -hmm. you know, getting better at ones that I've learned a while ago. So it's a lot of fun. I'm having a great time um, learning fiddle. It scared me for the longest time. Right. But I'm no longer afraid. I, I was kind of convinced that humans <laughs> actually can't play fiddle without a deal with the devil. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the jury's not out on you. I, I don't think you should be so high and mighty there, Eugene. <laughs> oh, you think I should? Oh, you think maybe I have made the deal with the devil? Maybe or, uh, that's what or, I'm or suggesting. Do you, or you think I ought to expect a visit? Well, I'm I'm saying I'm not I'm not convinced that they haven't already visited it. <laughs> <sighs> what do I know? You could be keeping secrets from me. I kept the secret from you. I don't think I would. Uh, I, I I would want to spend three or four hundred million years in the fires of of no, hell uh, no. just so I could play Sally Good and real. No, we well. leave that place for the cops that shoot people. So that's uh, it unnecessarily. Yeah, that's right. No, I, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to go to hell. That's for sure. 
I'd like um, to I'd like to remind our our listeners um, that they can reach us, uh, the complaint yeah. department, feedback department. Uh, it's all one email. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's the agency podcast at gmail.com and you know we've got a whole week with a one uh, one oh, email from a listener and email. you know it's starting to bother me where, where the heck are you people I know we just want to hear from you just complain say anything be happy whatever you need to do um I now have my other you know I told you I'm battling uh, you know the demons here because you're talking about being in hell the um one of my the there's, you know, you know, I practice meditation and the whole idea is that you're, tr you're trying not to live in hell on earth. You want to have peace of mind and you want to have, be in the moment and be in the now, be here now, uh, if you will, or, or mindfulness is the key word that's been around for the last 15 years. And um, it's definitely the big watchword today, isn't it? It really is mindfulness. Um, in other areas, it would be called like Baba Ramdas said, be here now or living in the moment or um, Christian mystics would say um the jesus prayer that that would put you into the moment or holy you know, instant yeah you know the story i think about when whenever yeah. i hear be here now oh no what? there was a fellow who used to hang around when we were in university he used to hang around the uh the fine arts building okay and he was an unusual fellow um uh, everybody knew him because he was I always know. always around yeah we're not going to um, say his name we're not going to say his name. No, um, I know who you mean, though. <laughs> there were, I mean, people would say, oh, his father was a professor. Who knows right. if that's true? Right. Uh, he took 400 hits of acid. Who yeah. knows if that's true? He might I just be an unusual be guy, right? I, I think that might be true. <laughs> but he, uh, he, I was painting late one night in the fine arts building at York mm. University. And, and this fellow was wandering through the building. And he came to my painting area. And he said, excuse me. Can you help me? I'd like something to paint on and something to paint with. Hmm. So I found a couple little canvases and some mm -hmm. paints and I, I set them up and said, you know, go to town. Mm -hmm. And so he made two little paintings. Um, one uh, said, be here now, now here be, now be here. Mm -hmm. And then the other one had some kind of picture on it. I don't remember what the picture was. And then it had the word cosmic and then reusing the C in cause and the first C in mm -hmm. cosmic, mm -hmm. it had Christ and then oh. angels. I love them. Do you still have them? I don't. And I don't oh. know if he actually gave them to me or if right. he took them with. Oh. Um, he just kind of appeared, asked for something yeah. to paint with and paint on, did his thing and, and then off he went. That's humbling. That's humbling when somebody comes in and they're so moved and they may not be practicing and they knock off a cool painting. Yeah. Um, that, that's happened to me sometimes when I've had a studio with um, Michael and, um, you know, a bunch of people hanging out and then they're like, well, I want to paint too. And I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And then I'm like, I hate you. That's an amazing painting. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to make another painting again in their life and they just came in and did it. And you're like, damn. Well, you know, I think one of the things is that people who don't practice painting don't have the pressure of practicing yes. painting on of, their shoulders. I, I think that's it. Yeah. You know, for me, I worry every time, every time I start a painting, I have to go back to square one. Mm. I go back to the very, very beginning. Well, what, what's a painting? Mm -hmm. um, how can I make an image stay on the canvas? Right. How can I make an image somehow talk back to me? Yes. Like those are the really basic questions 
that that I go back to over and over and over again. I really admire painters who don't have to do that, mm -hmm. who either have a subject matter that, you know, like a wildlife artist, for instance, you know, I paint ferrets, whatever. Um, right. You know, they, they don't have nice to worry moment. about the existential part of, of painting. They oh, have their subject okay. matter and they, they, they'll go to it oh, and it's oh. all about the details, how you paint your ferret. Now I'm going to beg to differ. I, okay. I'm not sure that that existential angst isn't also involved in any kind of craft work or in, in a pre, a pre, I want to say ordained. What's the word? Pre-planned painting. Listen, I, I often, I'm doing that. Listen again. Listen, Linda. Um, <laughs> I'm but kill at least, it, at least if you if you have a subject, a go-to subject matter, then you have a starting point. Yes, I'm. Not, that's true, but I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that's. Well, I think I, you, I agree. I, I don't have a, a judgment on that. No, okay, but I think it is a judgment to say that they're not necessarily going through existential angst because I think you can have that subject matter. And I have, you know, Scott always says I'm making the same artwork I've made since I was 14 and he's dead right. Oh, don't we you, all? Well, yeah, I guess I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to say for everyone that that's true, but thank you. I mean, that's interesting. So you feel similar. Yeah, I mean, definitely you're in that same struggle. And I, you've mentioned flying saucers. I've been painting flying saucers since I was a little kid. And you know what? I don't all, it still doesn't mean that it's an easy ride, although, I would say that Steg and I have talked about sometimes you've got this, this comfort zone of, of a topic and you can go there and it can be almost like, hey, don't ride it. You can't just, you've got to still suffer. Not suffer, that's not the right word. You've still got to have what it is. The existential angst for me is getting into the place of mindfulness or being in that place and also being able to have the painting talk to you, which also produces mm -hmm. that sense of, of mindfulness. For lack of a better word, I'm just going to use that because most people would know what that word was sure. rather than Baba Ramdas. Um, they might not know Be Here Now, the book. Oh, sure. which and, course... I, and I would say that's that's the moment in which um, my teacher, uh, Ronald Bluer, talked about when painting is thinking. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. There's no filters. It's just painting is thinking. Correct. And, you know, you might not want, that might not be the language. And you talked about moving from banjo to fiddle or accomplishing it. In many ways, um, what I've found to be so over all the years of meditating is that you never, you're not, you're not an expert meditator. There's always another level of infinity because it's infinite. You can always, I guess, if I was going to use musical terms, improve. It wouldn't be the right term to say, though, improve. Um, more fluency. Mm -hmm. um, easier access. What you're doing is you've got you've got a maximum run on your um, energy or your credit card almost, you know, that's not the right analogy either. Um, so there's always some other, um, you know, I've always enjoyed all the comparative philosophy. And it always almost talks about going to the same um, moment in time of being beyond time, tra transcendent, and, and they just use a different language. So sure. in some ways, maybe fiddle is a different language mindfulness versus be here now same term christian mystics use prayer or the jesus prayer so you know, yes I, painting is thinking painting is thinking I, but we i'm don't always mean happiest the mind or the in the ego. studio when yes. i paint on several paintings at the same time Me too. because they feed off one another and you don't have to stop 
stopping yeah, is yeah. is very very difficult for me if I, I stop and have to start again mm -hmm. then I have to go right back to the very beginning but mm -hmm. if I if I have a flow going with a few paintings at once I don't I don't have to do that well I also feel a, a tyranny with one painting I I feel like less tyranny when there's several paintings yes. like uh, I remember someone in, in painting watercolor class that they put their expensive watercolor paper on the floor and got their kid to ride over with a trike. Mm -hmm. That always stayed with me is that's the way to get rid of that. Like, oh my God, I spent money on this watercolor paper. I, I better make a perfect painting. Well, no, you better let go of making that perfect painting and find out what that painting is. As you, you know, go. sometimes when I'm working on a group of paintings, I'll take one out of the mix and turn it to the wall. <laughs> two, turn it to the that's wall a, and yeah. just I won't look at it that's I'll keep great. working on the yes, other ones yes. and I won't look at it for it could be a week two weeks a month right. three months and then I'll turn it back and bring it back into the mix totally me too I do a very similar thing that's funny uh, yeah because it changes the dialogue right I also sometimes don't like to have any I used to be very like bare walls now I because I guess it's like playing an instrument I don't feel like I, anything would distract me once I start to get working. But when I was younger, I would be like, I need bare walls with just my image bank, just the resources. I, I totally get that. Yeah. I used I used to have to clean the studio every every oh, night. God, I was working too. till midnight. I would yeah. get home. Um, I would have a beer or something. And then I would clean the studio <laughs> yeah. and then start painting. Right. And I couldn't paint until I swept that studio. I know. But, I know, I get it, but I don't feel that way anymore. I don't either. I've at a certain point, I learned to be able to get to the place I needed to get to mentally in yes. order to improvise yes. um, without having to go through that ritual that I had developed. Right. Well, do you think maybe painting outside helped? Maybe. Yeah. I maybe put, maybe just getting older and more experienced. Yeah, I think the hand-to-eye coordination, the practice, it, you 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 don't need that ritual anymore because you already know you can speak the language you know when you learn when you learn a new language you've got your you've got your streaming program teaching you you've got a book you've got tv shows you're using all that stuff before you even get going at some point you can go to paris and speak french but you know if i look if i look at a set of paintings that i've made mm -hmm. it's a very anxious experience for me <laughs> because I look at them and yeah. I think, how the hell did I do these things? I know. How I did know. I get to this place where I invented this image and settled on it? Right. That's because your ego can't, your, your intellect and your ego can't understand poetry and art. Um, yes. That's what, that's exactly what the, what the conflict exactly. is. Yes. Um, and in order to get back to that place where I can paint again, I have to go right back to the beginning. What the heck's a painting? What 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 can you put on a right, canvas? Right, right. You know, oh. um, I, I, and I often think, I often think that really what I'm doing is just being in touch with all the painters who ever came before me. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to go back to that being in, I, I agree, we've talked about this before. I, I feel in tune cave paintings. I know what they're saying. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. And thank you for leaving me a message mm -hmm. so many thousands of years ago that I would understand in a technological world with cars and planes and cell phones. I know what you're talking about. I, and I, and I still like that. I still like Mark making because it does that. It puts me right back in totally, touch with totally. the whole history of painting. Um, and that, I mean, now we're seeing, 
um, some people practicing a kind of ephemeral digital art, which curiously enough, they've been mark hyper marketing. People are making millions of dollars mm -hmm. on these fugitive digital images. Right, um, I love them. I love them. Uh, it's a complete total mystery to me because it's, to me, I'm still stuck on making a physical mark. Right. I follow a couple on Instagram. I, I, I can't pull their names out right now, but you know what? I'm going to mention them next week on, on the, on the podcast because people should go check them out. Oh, I want to say one is Lisa Wilson, but I don't want to say her wrong name. And the other one is something avocado, but I'll, I'll get them. We'll spend accurate. some time on it and then we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, next that'd week. be great. Oh, I, I'd like so to learn a little it. bit more about that whole field of in, in endeavor mm -hmm. which as i say is a, a total mystery to me um, well for me they are contemplative uh i would put them close to you know i told you last week about going to the art institute with my girlfriends who had one of them had never been there before mm -hmm. and and in that second when she's dismissing mark rothko i was trying to struggle with like look it's it's like prayer and it's not that the content of mark rothko is is a, you know the the stereotype is that oh he was into meditation but all painting is contemplative because it's one frame of time. So it's putting you in that moment automatically because it's a painting. Whereas a film and these um, digital moving things, they're doing that too, but they're, they're messing around with a few seconds, maybe even less than a second, actually. I don't know why I'm saying a second because some of them are very minor. We've got a friend, Lorna Mills does some of that, right? A gift, she does gifts, I think. Oh, gifts, okay. Yeah. But you know, it's bordering on that kind of digital art. Sure. Um, and that I think the digital arts kind of, you know, it's relating to that. Um, so those things are putting you, everything is, is, there's no such thing as time. And it is that tyranny of time that prevents us from being in mindfulness. And this idea that there's a past and there's a future, there isn't. And there's not even you and I, Eugene, we're sitting here talking to microphones, but technically there's just you or there's just me. We have no evidence that there's both of us. We have no evidence that there's not both of us. But you know what I'm trying to say. So there's there's no such thing as time. We've I suspect that. Yeah. that there's both of us. I suspect that we're one being. <laughs> and so is Stag and all the people and all the animals. We're actually just one energy. But that's just, that's you know, I can't explain that. My intellect doesn't understand that. But my soul or heart or meditation feels that, that we're completely connected. And that's why, you know what, you get angry at somebody in traffic, well, you know what, we all make mistakes. Um, and that could be us. It could be me, I could do something. We all know I could do something, something stupid. Um, so um, this, this moment of a painting is so powerful is that you wanna let go to it and let it tell you, it takes you into the present. It takes you into the moment of, of, of that painting. And that's like a, it's almost, it's like taking LSD or mushrooms. It, it's not even at all different, except one will affect you um, physically. But the painting, when it really works like a Mark Rothko, he, he was a genius at making a, um, a meditative object to bring you in. So was Monet, so was Van Gogh. Um, you know, we could battle with um, whether or not the uh, Renaissance was very good at that. They were doing something else, but you know, Maybe they were, they were capturing a moment in time. They're trying to bring you into, it's like time travel. It's almost like another dimension. They're trying to put you in the dimension of the moment. Not unlike the Jesus mystic prayer or meditation or LSD or mushrooms. Mushrooms is the language of the gods, right? 
that's the the word in South America in um, one one neighborhood in it, the translation for magic mushrooms is language of the gods, because the mushrooms never left that moment. They still exist in that be here now. And, and we have moment, previously talked about Santa Claus. Which we have talked about mushrooms and Santa. <laughs> and your little um, your little um, animals, your mystic beans out in your garden. That's right. They've got to be related to that because they're little gnomes and they're always with a mushroom. That's right. Often. Often with a mushroom. Yeah, not always. Often. And what about that weird sculpture you have with the dog and the mushrooms? That is a very weird sculpture. I don't know the name of the artist. Uh, Sheila bought that somewhere on Queen Street many years ago. It's a... <sighs> It's a clay sculpture of a dog right. with with Amanitas sprouting out of its mm -hmm. ass. It's, I don't know how else to describe it. There's no gentle way of describing There's no the sculpture. Gentle way of, you, you did a great job. That's exactly it. Better you than me. Uh, and I do love it. It's a great sculpture. It's just what? <laughs> hey, maybe that's where we should leave this episode. Okay. <laughs> With mushrooms growing out of a dog's ass. And oh, sculpture. sounds good to me. And, uh, and we'll be back at you next week with another episode. Please send us your emails. We'd love to hear from you. Theagency.podcast at gmail.com. See ya. Bye.